African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Hey, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. This is where you get the African perspective. Thank you for joining us on shortwave on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa. Uh, don't forget that on DSTV channel, we are in channel 802 on the audio bouquet and you can stream us live on www.channelafrica.co.za. Right now, we're going to look at our discussion going back to the issue of schools. It's been a heated debate, this topic. I know late last year it came in into the fold and we had a discussion around issues of uh, violence within schools but today we're looking at the issue of uh, discipline uh, just a recent uh, story came out when uh, uh, violence in schools uh, once again was put into the spotlight following a leaked video of a teacher who seemed to slap a learner after she had a heated argument with uh, the learner in class the teacher and pupil were both suspended pending disciplinary hearings after the incident at the school in Newlands, Cape Town, South Africa. A subsequent video of the same teacher is recorded after the incident where the school learners are seen hugging the teacher at the school premises. And uh, today we're asking the question, really, who's in charge here in terms when it comes to discipline? And also when a child is acting in an indisciplined way, how do teachers respond to that? Well, to assist us on this, we've got Nomu Satrembi, who is a media officer at the South African Democratic Teachers Union. And we've got Professor Quibus Marie, who is from the Department of Educational Psychology at the University of Pretoria. Joining us in this discussion, we have Professor Felix Meringe, who is the head of uh, School of Education at Wits University. Nomus, I mean, you're the closest to uh, teachers and education system. So let me start with you, because after we saw that video, I'm sure you're very much aware about it. I don't really want to look at the merits of that particular case, but want to take the story a little bit forward in terms of looking at who's role is it to discipline the student, especially within the class context? How did you navigate those particular themes when this discussion was taking place, Nomusa? Good morning and good morning to your listeners. Um, the issue of discipline in schools is, is becoming quite worrisome and we see uh, more incidents of, 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 of violence or of aggression taking place in our schools. Uh, schools should have, according to the Schools um, Act, um, schools sh- uh, should have, there should be a, a, a code of conduct uh, that, should be, uh, that should be put together uh, um, uh, 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 through the, by the school, school governing body. All stakeholders in the school should be involved in setting up this, this uh, code of conduct, which will, uh, you know, say what is it that, that should be done what is it is 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 is, is, is what 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 behaviors 
are right, what behaviors are not right, and what should happen if uh, if, if learners uh, do not ob- observe those. And well, that's yeah. the only tool that mm. we that we have at the moment. I I know a lot of people used to say that, that there was a talk that you know uh, we've got this popular talk that. Uh, when there was corporal punishment, it was, it was better. Easier, mm. It was better. Mm. Uh, yes, one would say it was an, an easier form, but at the end of the day, corporal punishment has got untold effect. Mm. You know, we we do not believe that violence begets violence. Mm. Uh, staying with you, I'm sure the difficulty with uh, teachers is actually taking these policies or the the, the rules that we assemble for students in our respective schools and actually translating them into a school culture. And that's where we have a problem because children come from different backgrounds, different contexts, different challenges from their homes. And sometimes the realization of uh, uh, making sure that the school rules are transformed into reality are a problem for um teachers themselves when they don't see uh, children responding to those particular rules. So in that instance, how does a teacher respond to that? And who should teach the teacher themselves how to respond to an indisciplined child? It is very much frustrating. Okay, I'm talking in the context of discipline starting at being in school. But, uh, at the, you know, discipline should, in fact, start in the home. It is the parent who should teach uh, children discipline before before they come to school. But what we are experiencing, more especially, you know, uh, from our, our members, they say uh, the children come come to schools not having those those basic those 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 basic behaviors or those those basic disciplines, and it, it is very hard because they come from from this different uh, backgrounds, then you have to ensure that as a teacher they, 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 they do conform to what, is, to what is in the school. What, but what worries us the most is that even, you know, the measures that one can put for a learner, if, if the discipline is just so much that it affects the, 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 the teaching and affects the teaching of other learners, yes, there is one can take the measure of, of perhaps having to discipline the child or having to suspend the child. But at the end, at the end of the day, whatever measures are there, a teacher or the school has to ensure that the learner never loses that right to be educated, even if it's like suspension. It can be, it cannot be over a long period. It, it, we must explore all other means, many means, before we can finally say that the, that the, or, or that the learner can be expelled or mm-hmm. suspended for longer periods from from the school. So the, the legislation and the policies at the moment they are there to ensure that the learner is educated, no matter uh, you know what circumstances are. Let me move on to Professor Felix in terms of that particular question. You know, the question around how do you navigate the fact that uh, 
children have to actually get the education, but at certain times, there's confrontations, as we've seen in the latest example, between teacher and student, and that debate comes on who's responsible on discipline, and uh, Nomusa highlighting that, uh, you know, discipline should actually start from school. I mean, shouldn't just start from school, but should start rather uh, from uh, a home environment. And we we like using that as a statement of fact, but it's not that simple, is it, Professor Felix? No, you are absolutely right. Uh, thank you very much indeed for inviting me to be a panelist on this very, very important matter. And um, greetings to your listeners. Uh, <clears throat> yes, I think Nomusa is absolutely right to say that uh, discipline has to start at home. Uh, and I think that there is a lot that is happening within our school systems that does not allow for this to happen. For example, in some provinces in South Africa, we have schools that have up to 48% child-headed families. In other words, families that do not have you know, the parental kind of you know, guidance that would... Uh, contribute towards developing some form of discipline Mm -hmm. and good behavior. So there are those kinds of structural problems that we still are battling with in our society in South Africa, and I think they have to be treated in a different way. But I also would like to make a contribution to this debate by just emphasizing two important pieces of evidence we have from our research, which shows that Discipline and behavior problems actually account for nearly 60% of school dropouts in South Africa. So when we talk about school dropouts, we've got a range of reasons, but one reason alone, which is discipline and behavior problems, actually accounts for about 68%. And in the same way, it also accounts for about 48% of the poor performance that we observe in many, many of our schools. So this is a really a big, big issue. But our research also show, shows that unsafe and disorderly schools mm-hmm. impact substantively negatively on learner outcomes and performance. So when the basic requirements for a safe school and an orderly school are not met, that is federal ground for indiscipline you know, amongst, uh, amongst learners. And so what it also shows, what it also means is that schools themselves can play a role. Because I think in terms of putting together the elements that contribute to order and safety in schools, it is the schools that can only do that. And, and so they have a, a, you know, a role to play. Mm. Professor Kobus, let me bring you into that discussion because it's getting to an interesting point right now whereby Nomusa is highlighting the fact of the importance of discipline in homes, but also Professor Felix highlighting the fact that schools can play a role in, in, in the discipline of children. But from a school element, how would you actually enforce um, teaching discipline as part of a curriculum? Can I give you a long, long answer to a short question? <laughs> Definitely. Go ahead. We've got a lot of time, Prof. <laughs> it, it's such a complex issue. I'm going to name a few things that research has shown, things that really do work abroad and in certain schools in South Africa. Number one, in counseling today, we 
use what we refer to as the life design intervention based on what we call self and career construction. And once people have undergone that intervention, um, where we talk to their role models, their favorite quotations, and many other things that seem innoc- innocuous and innocent, but really that run very, very deep. They get a gist of what life is about. Mm-hmm. They get a gist of forgetting about the long, the short-term impacts of your behavior. Think about the longer term. Um, secondly, emotional social intelligence programs. It's a little... Um, worrying as to why South Africa seems reluctant to introduce these kinds of programs. Um, In other words, teach people how to act out if you wish, respond, express themselves in an appropriate manner. manner. To count to 1,500 before you act. To act in a socially responsible manner. And most importantly, involve learners at every level of intervention. I'm going to repeat that because it really works. Mm. Whatever mm. we do, whatever committee we, 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 we set up, learners must form a meaningful part of such a committee. Involve people at all levels. And then this fantastic facility that just South Africa has, this fantastic um, resource that, and that other countries are now stealing, stealing away from us, educational psychologists, Each school should have access to the services of an educational psychologist. You know, watching that DV of the the teacher that slapped the child, and the child's behavior, my heart cried. My heart really cried. The the, the child clearly, seemingly, is angry, and I don't think she understands really why she's so angry. She's acting in a manner that really, if she looks back at, Ten years down the line, she's going to feel deeply ashamed of herself. So I'm, I'm a little dumbstruck. Is it possible that the child has never had the opportunity to talk with an educational psychologist, to tell the educational psychologist mm. about the challenges, about how she feels, about her anger, about her sadness, etc.? Likewise, the teacher that slapped the letter, yes, I mean... We all know that is completely unacceptable. Yet the teacher did that. So she lost her temper, exactly what I said. That's a basic emotional social intelligence skill. So not only the learners, but also the teachers. And our colleagues, I, I couldn't agree with you more. These kinds of things start, start in the home. So what ha- happens at home, if mommy and daddy are not there to listen to their children, to let them talk, to let them clarify their anger, their sadness, etc., then we can expect them to push the boundaries, challenge the limits at school. Something else that, that I want to mention here is the following. What would also be grateful is if people that specialize in politics, political leaders, would at least make a conscious attempt to demonstrate acceptable behavior. I know, I know, we understand they do many things for political gain. That I know, but children are young, they're impressionable. They don't mm, understand mm. these kinds of sure, things. Sure. So I think we all need to give mm. and make this a team strategy. And not for one single second do I think these things cannot be resolved. Mm. So not for a single second. These things are highly resolvable and they should be resolved. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and I'm going to look at the 
reality of that because to coordinate all of those um, factors that you've highlighted there, uh, Professor Kuebas, could take a lot of uh, a coordination and also resource, especially from uh, a very much... Uh, uh, unsystematic education department that we seem to have in this particular country. But we'll deal with those questions after this break. The 14th of February is Valentine's Day, when couples and lovers celebrate their love for each other. Join Channel Africa on Friday the 15th of this month between 1200 hours to 1500 hours Central African time as we celebrate one love for Africa with our African brothers and sisters all over the continent. Let's dismantle prejudice and work towards achieving greater unity and solidarity between African countries and Africans as a whole. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Two and three minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. You are listening to African Dialogue with me, Benjamin Mushatam. We come to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time where we contextualize the big subject matters on the African continent. Well, today we're looking at uh, um, discipline in schools. I'm sure if you're outside South Africa, you can relate to this particular subject matter, the idea of discipline in schools, how important is that, and Who's responsible for the discipline? Uh, we're hearing various viewpoints coming from our guests, very informative because they're coming with different solutions. And I think it's great having a conversation like this that's not problem-centric, but uh, the guests are also giving us uh, uh, solutions around uh, how to actually deal with discipline in schools. Nomusa, let's come to that issue that we, I don't think we've really addressed because our focus has been dealing with the students themselves or learners. But when it comes to teachers, as was highlighted by Professor Felix, when we looked at that video that came out last week and was hugely viral in the country, what was really big was the response of the teacher uh, getting to a confrontation to a point where she slapped the student and that was really, really a strange response coming from a teacher and a lot of people were asking the question, clearly even this teacher wasn't disciplined enough to deal with this particular situation and it posed the question, now who's responsible for the discipline of teachers? Yes, that incident was didn't reflect well on, on the teachers because uh, as teachers they are professionals, they are supposed uh, at all times to behave in a, in a, in a, in a professional manner. But uh, we should understand, we do not condone we do not condone such behavior, but we should understand that teachers are human beings and such things happen to, to, human, to, to human beings. We, we try our best, our level best, to, uh, to, to impress upon the teachers to adhere to, 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 the, to the professional code of, code of conduct. But as human beings, sometimes it doesn't happen. Because you find that teachers are, are, are subjected to many ills. They are subjected, they are teaching, you'll find that they are teaching, um, uh, there'll be one teacher for quite a number of learners from diverse backgrounds who pose different challenges. 
and yet teachers are not given like uh, uh, um, like uh, uh, or we've we've been calling for psycho social services in, in school so that teachers as well as learners can have counseling services or debriefing so, sessions so. where they can go and debrief because you know a workplace can be a hazardous place. Mm. You need some kind of of of, of uh, counseling uh, uh, service where you can reflect back on on what you did and and just make a, 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 and be empowered as to how to tackle the things that you you come across on a da- on a daily basis. Mm. Yes, we know our teachers are professionals. They they are trained, but some of the things you do need that psychosocial service in the schools because uh, uh, the, the environment is at a school, it, it, it can be very fluid. Mm. Uh, Professor Felix, uh, what's interesting there is Nomusa uh, re-emphasizing Professor Kwebis's uh, point there on uh, psychosocial facilities to be provided in the school context. Do we have the infrastructure? Do we have the resources as a country? Do we have the prioritization even to actually make that happen? Yeah, the, I think the short answer to that question is um, we don't have the facilities in our schools for that to happen. Um, but I think we should also stop looking at ourselves as education systems or as schools, as islands within our societies. We need to be able to, we can harness such resources from other you know, sectors that provide them and that deal with issues uh, okay. you know, uh, around, around those particular matters. So I think, I think, no, we don't have the resources. I don't think there is you know, a political will at the moment to invest in those resources. Um, and I think that, yes, there needs to be some, some kind of political will to be able to do that. This is too huge a problem. And if we don't solve it, then we are not going to be able to solve our problems in performance. We are not going to be solve, able to solve our problems in dropouts and the social ills that arise out of, you know, the dropouts. But allow me, if, 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 if you can, Go ahead. just to say perhaps two things that um, you know, perhaps may contribute to um, uh, this debate as well. And this is the question of the difference between discipline and punishment. And I think that often you know, that there is a conflation between the two so, so. Even even in our schools where, you know, people say, oh, no, 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 if the kids are not punished, you know, they will never be disciplined or something like that. Um, but I think there is, there is a difference between discipline. I think when we focus or when schools focus on discipline, we are focusing on helping others to, you know, unlearn the malpractices, uh, uh, malpractices and behavior uh, which... Uh, well, hi. I think we lost uh, Professor Felix there. That was a strange disconnect there. Uh, Professor Felix, are you still there with us? I'm there with you, yes. Okay, you can continue. Um, I think I might have lost something on my... Do you, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you there. I think that we just lost you there by error, and I think we lost someone else there. Um, uh, but uh, you can continue, uh, yes. Professor Felix. So I just wanted to emphasize you know, the importance of discipline and punishment. Uh, sure, and, sure. That, and that we need perhaps to be very, very clear in our schools. 
But there are five things that I think that schools and the departments of education could actually hold on to if we wanted to create our schools uh, that actually uphold behavioral um, principles. And one of the things is, one of the five things as far as I'm concerned is, you know, investing money into making our schools safe and orderly. You know, without, without safe schools and orderly schools, it is very difficult to contain, um, you know, ill behavior within the schools. But I think, secondly, we also need to educate students on rights and responsibilities. Our students are very, very, very good at understanding their rights. But when it comes to their responsibilities, they tend to shy away for, from mm -hmm. them. Or, you know. Then the next thing, and I think this actually touches both on staff and students, this is to develop emotional intelligence in staff and learners. And this is not to suggest that people are not intelligent, but that there is this special type of intelligence which is important, and so on and so forth. And I think Cobus was was trying to, to make reference, but um, I think it is also about prioritizing discipline and. two years. So I'll probably work as hard as anybody else in the world. And I also get, get angry, I get depressed, etc. Mm. But I would never ever dream of losing my temper and acting in a way that I will feel ashamed about later on in life. And I'm really not saying that in any derogatory manner. So I'm saying that that's not the variable that should be targeted. Can I give you a few guidelines? I've been at the university for 35 years now. Number one, the teaching, the, the basics of psychology are only taught um, to a very limited extent to teachers. Um, I was wondering why, when I watched that uh, whether the teachers are able to understand that there's transference happening there, and there's also counter-transference. Subconsciously, who was that little little girl looking at when she when she acted out? Subconsciously, who was the teacher acting at? when she slapped her. Um, these things need to be taught. The basics of body language, don't shout at people, don't roll your eyes, don't, don't act in a manner that others might believe as belittling, or act in, a, or act in any manner that, manner that you may not find offensive, but that others might, might find offensive. So those are the basic things on a different level. Most importantly, my plea, my wish is that this story and I'm opening myself up, I'd be willing to, to mediate that this story is turned into a story of hope 
and trials. Let the teacher and the learner meet. Let them find a way out of this minor dilemma. Let them share their story with every school in the country. Tell people their story. Let people listen. Let people realize, I'm going to say this, this twice, that every incident, instance, example of pain that we ever experience has the capacity to become our greatest strength mm-hmm. over time. So they can write an article, they can write a book, they can write a movie script. This is doable. I hear I will not budge. This is what I do for a life. Mm. Turning pain into hope. There's a lot of pain in our schools. Mm. Get people to share their pain and let's join hands in transitioning this painful situation and turning it into a social contribution and a win-win situation for everybody. Colleagues, this is very doable. Mm. Like I said, this is Mm. my bread and butter. That's what made me quite famous in the world. Well, let me take a quick break. That's the voice of Professor Quibus Maria, who is a Department uh, of Educational Psychology member within the University of Pretoria. We also have uh, uh, Professor Felix Maringe, who is the Head of School of Education at Wits University. And also Nomusa Kembi is a Media Officer at the South African Democratic Teachers Union, uh, SATU. And uh, you know what? I think that uh, tone that was said by Professor Quibus Marie is very, very important and I want us to deal with that issue of trauma within schools and the fact that we need to turn that around and turn the narrative around the trauma in, in schools and, and around violence or around indiscipline. How do we actually change that particular viewpoint of how things are done in schools that we're seeing such a traumatic experience within schools? Just the other day my colleague has a, a sister who's a teacher for instance and we were just sitting and he was calling his sister on the phone and uh, the, the sister was just talking to him and then all of a sudden the sister is highlighting hey keep quiet you you guys are making a noise hey man stop it stop it you know it just showed you how teachers are in such a situation where they always have to check in with students which students don't ha- have don't have the discipline to actually navigate themselves within a classroom context we'll come back to that after the break <laughs> This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunyan Zovo and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Channel Africa giving you the African perspective. Definitely, that's where you're going to get it, especially here on African Dialogue. We get different views from different human beings and experts, really, about the big subject matters on the African continent. Well, uh, let's look at that particular issue. If you're just joining us now, we're looking at discipline in schools. We're joined by uh, Professor Quibus Maria, who is uh, from the Department of Educational Psychology at the University of Pretoria. Professor Felix Meringue is the head 
head of School of Education at Wits University. Nomusa Klembi is uh, the media officer at the South African Democratic Teachers Union. We've got only a few minutes left, but I'd like to, us to look at that context of trauma within schools. That is not really an easy experience. And how do we work from that joyful place that you were alluding to, Professor Felix, that we must actually use happiness as a mode of teaching in itself. That's not an easy task because of children don't come as... Uh, from vacuums, you know, as, as as human beings as well. They come from also traumatized environments in their communities and within the family context. And teachers actually have a bigger responsibility as we've figured out in this conversation. How do we work from that place of that happy zone that you are highlighting, Professor Felix? Because schools have become almost like a trauma arena. No, you're absolutely right. And I think you're spot on also in terms of saying that uh, some students, some of our children actually come from you know, traumatic environments in their homes, in their um, uh, you know, places where they live, and uh, they come to schools which are also traumatic. So we have coined a term in, in our school here which talks about trauma home and away. Um, and when students are exposed to that kind of an environment, they don't really see schools as a place which, from which they can benefit. And so I think everything needs to be done. Uh, everything in our power needs to be done to make sure that we reduce or eliminate you know, the trauma that schools actually breed within themselves. And part of that is, is, a, is, is, is something that comes from simply not making sure that our schools are safe places and that they are orderly. You know, when I went to high school, I had a certain teacher by the name of Sibanda, and he used to ask us to stand outside the lab before we enter the lab. If he wanted us to move from one part of the lab to another, mm. it was supposed to be done in a specific designated pathway within the laboratory. We didn't understand it at that time, but it is now that I understand that proper learning in those kinds of subjects can only happen if the environment is orderly. And so I think we have to emphasize, we have to emphasize those things uh, in our schools. Uh, but I also think that we now should start uh, thinking about the collaborative kind of efforts that we can um, uh, try to develop between ourselves as education um, uh, people and those who are in the field mm, of psychology, mm. health, and so on and so forth, so as to provide you know the kinds of services students need when they are faced with traumatic environments in our schools. No, Musa, how do you navigate that particular issue that we bring now, changing um, some of these schools that are very much in very violent communities, some of them, uh, these children come from broken families, and that responsibility that a school can have to turn the learning experience into a happy one is a big task, isn't it? I think we need to go beyond just the school itself. We shouldn't see the school in isolation. Sure, that's the true. school is part of a community. Sure. Um, I think we need to do more to, to, to uh, there seems to be a distance now between schools and communities and parents. Sure. I think it's high time we went back to say to communities, to say to parents, 
uh, and the society at large that let's rally behind our schools, Mm -hmm. let's support our schools, let's support our teachers, let's support our learners, let communities want to be part of uh, solution in, in, in our schools because school, the, the, a lot of trauma that is in our schools is, 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 is it does come from the community. Uh, the communities have um, have uh, in some areas they see schools as uh, places where they can commit crime, where, where they can steal from school, where they can uh, you know there they isn't that respect for a schooling environment is, is slowly being eroded. And once it's there, uh, even w- with the political situation, you'll find a, a situation where a, a community will, would uh, not be happy about the fact that there isn't a road. And then they would, the school would be the first place to be bent down or to be vandalized or, or to be closed because they, they, do not, they, they are not happy that, with the fact that there isn't a road. And what does it say to the, to, to the learners? It, does, it says that the school is not the, the most important thing here. The most important thing is the road or whatever. So it's high time that we, 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 sh- we change that mindset to, to instill uh, that uh, thing in, 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 in communities as well as learners that schools should be the first place that we should be that we, that we should look after mm. that we should show respect you know if if we do that then the learners would, would, would understand as well as everybody should understand that schools are are, 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 are the critical uh, thing in building any community all right, let me give Professor Kuebus uh, the final two minutes that we have left over. How would you sum up this conversation? I'm sure it's a supplementary approach or complementary approach of all these uh, different um, suggestions that we've made. They must all complement each other. Professor Kuebus? Thank you very much. I would like to summarize by using two words, reflection and reflexivity. We need to Number one, I think everybody has said that. Communicate, 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 communicate. And listen more than we talk at all levels. Teachers have to listen to the, to the learners. Learners have to listen to the teachers. We have to listen to the communities. They have to listen to us. The education department has to talk with us and has to listen to us. There needs to be some kind of formal feedback. Let me give you one example. Ideally, every teacher, after Every class should get feedback. What did you not understand? What did you enjoy about today? What is there? What else is there that I need to explain? How did you feel today? What prevented you from focusing today? I'm going to end up by giving you a, a super example. Two years ago at the University of Pretoria, I was involved, I still am involved in the Junior Tucky Project. I presented for three hours in emotional social intelligence, and everybody was very, very happy, but two guys, walked up to me and said, Sir, you wasted our time like nobody else has. And my response was, well, that's fantastic. This kind of feedback is always very helpful. What else can I do? But let me get a pen and write everything down. And the guy gave me, gave me a big hug and he said, well, you've passed your own emotional social intelligence. Congratulations. I was giving you my little test. Oh, that's the spirit. Let's listen to each other. Let's not jump to conclusions. Let's not get angry. Let's find a way of listening to what people are actually 
trying to say. Um, bumping in, into me as a way of expressing oneself. I don't know why. I need to reflect on that and reflexivity, use our reflections to build a better future, mm. to improve mm. our current mm. practice, to do better every single day of our lives. All right, we're going to leave it there, but thank you. What a very interesting discussion, and I think it was very solution-driven, which I appreciate that from all of you. Thank you to Professor Quibus Maria, who is uh, uh, joining us uh, from the Department of Educational Psychology at the University of Pretoria. Nomusa Klembi is with us as well, Media Officer at the South African Democratic Teachers Union. And finally, but not least, thanks to Professor Felix Maringe, who's the Head of School of Education at Wits University. It's been a pleasure to speak to all of you, and I think uh, it was uh, a fantastic conversation since it was uh, really pushing uh, the agenda of finding out ways to deal with these problems. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank very you. Much.